very sorry that my wife couldn't be here today, but uh, she's trying to get some new parts to be able to keep going. That's what happens when you uh, have these problems. You got to have some uh, new parts at times. So uh, she's getting a new part. I did. I, yeah, I did turn it on. Sit on. Yep, green. Okay. So a anyway, uh, that's what's happening to her. And uh, of course, uh, for myself, I just keep on keeping on uh, serving the Lord. It's a real joy to be uh, serving him all these years. I thank the Lord for putting me into the ministry. I'd like you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Romans. Um, I was telling the pastor, uh, I don't know, a number of days ago, of how I was going to speak about in the book of the Gospel of John, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And uh, I prepared this about three weeks ago. And uh, uh, then I had to make a quick trip down to Florida because of uh, problems in my house down there. And uh, so uh, I didn't have the opportunity uh, to do any more preparation. And then when I got back, all of a sudden, uh, as I was meditating, uh, the Lord gave me another message. And it's in the book of Romans chapter 1, and that's what I want to share with you today. It's a very simple outline uh, of the scriptures. It's called, uh, in, in this way, that you find uh, the first verse of the Bible in Romans chapter 1. He's a, a doulos, he's a servant. And uh, verse 3, it says, concerning his son. So you got a servant and you got a son. And then uh, you go on uh, in the scriptures and you'll find that as he ministers the word, he's ministering to saints. And he desires uh, to also impart in their lives something that will help them to grow and mature and understand God's plan and purpose for them and for the body of Christ. And so therefore, uh, there has to be an outreach, reaching out to others. And he talks about, uh, and Pastor read about, uh, speaking uh, throughout the whole world, the message of salvation. That's in reference to soul winning. So it's a very simple outline, and uh, that's what we want to start out with. Notice in verse 1 that it starts out with Paul. Now that's quite interesting, uh, understanding a little bit about Jewish life and Jewish people. Um, it was customary in those days, and you notice that all of his letters, he starts out this way, doesn't he, in his salutation, uh, talking about himself, first of all. And sometimes it's wonderful to be able to use yourself as an illustration uh, of uh, transformation that has taken place in your life. It's nothing like uh, can be uh, blessed of God and used of God as your personal testimony. And that's important of how we stand in relationship to him. And uh, in the uh, sending out of these epistles of the Apostle Paul, he starts out with this uh, salutation in this way, Paul. And uh, when I look at this and read the scriptures about him, I have to say, uh, that wasn't his real name, was it? No, it wasn't. His name was Saul. It's interesting, the word Saul means to ask or pray. I can understand that in the life of Jewish people when they have children, they're asking God and praying for God that they'll get a firstborn son. Now, why a firstborn son? Well, the reason for that is, is they're always looking for, through him, the Messiah will come. See, they don't look at Messiah as a supernatural person. They're looking at it as a person that can do exploits for God, like Daniel and other prophets. That's how they're looking at it. And that he will be able to do things, great things, uh, in his lifetime. 
So therefore, they're always praying firstborn to be a son because Messiah will be firstborn. And so therefore, they pray about this thing. So uh, the word Saul means to ask or pray, and that's exactly what they did. They asked for him. Now, there's another reason why that they would use uh, the word Saul, uh, that would be his name, is because um, they uh, name after their ancestors. They always try to perpetuate, keep the name going, and the memory of it, and the preciousness of it. And that could be another reason why that he was named Saul. But when you go on and read in the book of Acts about this man that was so active against the gospel, against this one called Christ, and persecuted the church and did some terrible things against it, and then how the Lord, how he met the Lord in Acts chapter 9, isn't it wonderful to realize that this man's life was changed and transformed? So I can understand why he's talking and uh, making reference to the second name in his life, because it's in reference to the new birth. It's in reference to the transformation of his life. And that's uh, an important thing, uh, the, how God has transformed his life. And then to realize, especially Paul, a chosen vessel unto me. See? There's a uniqueness of his divine calling of God in his life and how God would use him to reach out, especially here's a Jew going to the Goy, uh, the Gentile world, the populace. And that's what it talks about here in this chapter. And so, therefore, uh, we can really say that when we read this, that this man was renamed. He was born again. He was transformed by the power of the gospel. That's the first and, and most important thing, his relationship with God, isn't it? And how wonderful God worked in his life, and he found out that when he was persecuting the church, and here again you can see the identification of the saints with Christ. Why persecutest thou me? It's the identification of Christ and the persecution of the saints. So when we suffer and all of that, uh, don't forget, there's an identification with Christ, and Christ understands these things very intimate, uh, in an intimate way. And so, therefore, uh, this man that was renamed, his life was changed, and he was transformed. Isn't it wonderful that he starts out this way to remind the saints, uh, hey, something took place in my life, transformation, the most important thing. I hope that you get from this message today that this son can transform your life. He can make you a new creation. Interesting, that word creation is talking about exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 1. Because it says, in the beginning God created, bara, the word there, created the heavens and the earth. And, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And that's exactly what it's about. Uh, it's talking about the transformation of his life and the new creature created in Christ Jesus. And... Uh, it's brought out, I believe, uh, about his life in this way, that God changed and transformed his life. In fact, you could say he was from a sinner to a saint. Isn't that interesting? Now, you know, it's not one with a glow. Maybe that you, you'll have a, a brightness that people can sense in your life, but it's not a halo around you at all. The word saint really is one that is set apart for God. And uh, this is exactly from a sinner to a saint. You know, people have said to me um, in my younger days, uh, you know, and I accepted Christ that I was a holy roller. And that's what they called me all the time. And I'd walk down the street with my Bible and they'd all come around me and try to knock the Bible out, especially if it was raining. They loved to tantalize me at that time uh, to go around the back and take my Bible and knock it down into the water. 
that was a great accomplishment for them uh, that they tried to do at that time. And they called me a holy roller. And some of them said, well, he's, he's in a religious kick right now. But he'll get out of that, you know, and he's getting a kick out of it anyway. And we get a kick to see, uh, you know, this, this fellow, this young guy that thinks he's uh, holier than thou. Well, I never tried to make it that way, but that's the way that they felt about in my life. But one of my buddies said to me, oh, he'll be back, he'll be back. He used to come to my home uh, on prayer meeting night, and uh, my mother would tell him, oh, he's not here, he's in church, he's in prayer meeting. And he accepted it at the beginning, and then the next week he forgot, and he came back again on that same night to play basketball. And, uh, and, his, and my, my mother said, he, he's not here right now, he's in prayer meeting. Oh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, oh, I forgot about that. Well, he came the third time, and he forgot about it again. And uh, he said, boy, this guy's for real, isn't he? He's religious. I'm not religious at all. I'm not trusting religion. I'm trusting Christ. It's far deeper and far greater than that. But nevertheless, a transformation has to take place in our lives. In Paul, in writing this epistle, he points to the transformation. Paul, you know the word Paul means? Insignificant. He's a nothing. He's a nobody. Here's a nobody that God made somebody and how he used him effectively. What a tremendous man of establishing in missionary journeys uh, churches all over. Isn't it wonderful to how God can work through us and use us? But it points, he was renamed. He was transformed. That's the most important thing of starting out in our lives. Then I want you to notice it says, Paul, a servant. And that's a very interesting word because you see, after you're a sinner that has been saved and become a saint, then there has to be this transformation that takes place in your life and commitment. And we were singing about this this morning. I can see how the Lord was leading in th this message now, the songs that we were singing about taking our lives and giving it, committing it to the Lord. I look this way to see how God leads when in these things because I prepared three weeks in advance what I was going to give this morning. I spent a lot of hours and time. I tell this to the Lord something, and then you change me so quickly. I said, well, I got it for the next time. Thank you, Lord. But it's, it's so wonderful to see this one, this a servant that was renamed, transformed by the power of the gospel. And uh, this word servant is very interesting. Now, in Psalms 116, we won't turn to it, but I'll quote it. It says, O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant. You know what the next words are? Thou hast loosed my bonds. How grateful the person that has been changed and transformed to realize he's loosed us, he set us free. Doesn't the Bible says, if the Son shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed? It does say that, doesn't it? There's a freedom, but yet there's a commitment of servitude before the Lord. Now the word there, doulos, is the word that is used in the Greek it really means that you're bought with a price. It really means that you're his property. Uh, you're obliged to commit your life. You're indebted. Oh, Lord, truly, I am thy servant. I am thy servant. You've loosed my bonds. And Paul brings this out so clearly in this letter about being a servant. In other words, he plans nothing. He owns nothing apart from Christ. He's just totally committed. There are a lot of people that are, uh, that are tokenly committed. We don't want that. We want total, complete commitment of our life to Christ. And it should be constantly that we surrender our all to him. And so, therefore, it's very important. 
Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Years ago, I had the opportunity of being in, in uh, Europe for quite a while. I was over there uh, going to Israel, of course, and stayed there for almost six months, maybe a little bit more than that. And then from there, I went to Europe, and I stayed quite a few months. I was away from my home a long, long time in my younger days. And uh, I traveled to France, and I went to a place called Marseille, beautiful area, Grenoble, Marseille. And uh, I was with the, some of our missionaries there. And uh, one day we uh, traveled um, to serve the Lord and throwing out gospel bombs. You know what a gospel bomb is? You roll, you roll the track into beautiful uh, paper and twist the ends of it and you go along and you toss it out. I got to the place I could put it right, to their, right by their feet as we were traveling. And then, of course, we had a real aim to go to a certain place. We went to a monastery uh, in that area, and uh, permission was granted so that we could have one of the monks go with us and show us around the property, and that he did. And as we're going around and everything, and by the way, he had his brown robe on. Um, his robe was dirty. Uh, you can see that uh, he chewed tobacco, and he had spittle hanging on his robe and like that, you know. And... Um, and then he had holes in his socks, and, you know, he was, he was really holy that way. And uh, this man took us around, and so I said to him, um, um, what do you do for a day? And he says this, eight hours I pray. Oh, eight hours. How much do you pray, by the way? Well, we can't always be that way. We can have a hard time sometimes. I send a lot, up a lot of short arrow prayers as I'm traveling. Sometimes when you're driving along, and you know, you, you pull out, and all of a sudden, oi, there they are. And you say, Lord, help. That's a prayer. That's a short one. And I've done that many times. You know, some call it a, a lead foot. Uh, you, know, you know what happens. Boy, I tell you, going through Montreal one time, a big semi, and it was down, it, the semi was down in the valley. I didn't see it, and I pulled out, boy. And I had an old Ford, um, and it just... I floored it down to the bottom, and here's the truck that comes out, and I see him, and I said, Lord, help. You know what? God put more energy in that power of that thing, even though I was down to the bottom, and I whoop right by him. As I got back in, he went by me. Boy, vote was I glad to get rid of that. You know, sometimes these things happen in our lives, so you send up short arrows prayers, but he prays eight hours a day. And I said, well, so what do you do with the rest of the time? He said, well, he said, I have chores to do, and I have to do that. He said, I work in the bakery shop. You know, they have what they call uh, monk bread, you know, monkey bread, and, it, you know, and like that, and they sell it in the, in the towns. That's how they make a little money and everything. So he did that, and uh, then I said, well, what do you do after that? And he says, well, I have some time with sleep. But he said, I get awake in the, in the night because we have novenums and all these other things that they have, and he said, I'm awakened. So he said, sometimes I don't get very much sleep. And I said, how long have you been doing it? He said, 42 years. 42 years? This is what you've been doing? I said, oh, you must be really rewarded all those years of dedication of your life in this way. Oh, he says, no, I don't have any. I'm hoping I'll be rewarded. He said, that would be a nice thought to, to be a reality someday, but I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be that way. And I said, uh, do you have the assurance of your salvation. 
He said, I can't answer that here. I said, but I'll do it. He said, I'll do it. So we carried on, and finally we came to his little cell. You know, they call them cells. And there was a key about that long. And he, he put the thing into the, to, to unlock his door. I don't know. They're all locked in in the walls, and there are only all monks that are there. I, I guess they're afraid they're going to steal from one another. Steal what? They don't have much at all. They're really dedicated to poverty. And uh, he puts it in, and he pulls it out. And he says to uh, my uh, interpreter, Claude Arnier, he says, tell him to look through the keyhole. So I got down, I looked through the keyhole, and I said, I can't see anything. It's all dark. It's all I can't see anything. He said, that's my heart. I'm all dark in my heart. Forty-some years of dedication and commitment, and he's dark. Oh, boy, there was my opportunity to tell him how God enlightened my soul and changed my life. But he was a servant. That's not the type of servitude that we want. We want servitude that's serving God, yet totally committed to Christ. And that's exactly with him. Self-word, he owned nothing, he planned nothing. Man-word, he realized he was the least of all men, the Bible talks about. And he's committed to the Lord. Dr. Mould said this, to be a bond slave is terrible in the abstract, but to be Jesus Christ's bond slave is paradise in the concrete. I like that. That's exactly the way it should be. Paul, a servant, not tokenly, but totally committed to the Lord. And by the way, if you look it up in the Greek, you'll find uh, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. It's in the genitive case. And what it's bringing out is possession. He possesses me. You know, uh, one time I was on a street corner and some Jewish people said, you're possessed. I said, yeah, I'm possessed with the Lord in my heart and in my life. I'm a walking mezuzah. There's a little thing you put on your doorpost. We were talking about that in the morning, uh, Sunday school hour. Being a testimony for the Lord, witnessing wherever you go and sharing the gospel. That's what it's all about. And we're to, to, to testify of who God is. And it's in the, in the genitive case there showing that uh, God possessed him totally. He was committed to the Lord. And that's very, very important to be a slave, a servant of Christ. But that slavery is like uh, a freedom within the bounds of being totally committed to the Lord. It really gives you joy and peace and satisfaction when you're committed to the Lord. And anyways, this Jewish fellow said, ah, he, you know, he's not only... Uh, one that's just totally committed and, and, and uh, like that, but he's nuts. And boy, I stopped those Jews. I said, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. And they stopped. They said, what are you going to say now? Because I was preaching on a box, you know, and preaching the gospel on the street corners. You said that I was nuts, right? Yeah, you're nuts and you're nuts and you're nuts. I said, but sir, remember this. I'm screwed to the right bull. And that makes the difference in our lives. And that's exactly what it's talking about here. It says, Paul, a servant, and notice it's of Jesus. The word Jesus is the word Yeshua. The word Yeshua means salvation. And there are many portions in the Old Testament that talks about it. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 12, you'll hold your hand there and go to this uh, chapter. Well, I want you to notice what he has to say here in Isaiah, chapter 12. Beautiful text. I use it much uh, when I'm talking to Jewish people. And uh, here's what it says uh, in verse 2. Behold, 
That word behold in, 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 in Hebrew is the word hene. It means stop, take notice, listen intently. Behold, God is my salvation. That's a Hebrew suffix there. And it mean, it's a person. We'll see that. God is my salvation. That word is in reference to Yeshua. That's his name. The word Yeshua means salvation. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall what? Salvage his people from their sins. And it says, I will trust and be not afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He's also become my salvation. Go to Isaiah chapter 62. Notice what it has to say here. This is in, in verse 12. Um, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. Verse uh, 11, I should read. Behold, there's that word hene again. You find it a lot of times in the, in, through the prophet Isaiah. In other words, he says, listen intently. Stop what you're doing. Listen. Behold. That's so wonderful to realize this of what we have. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say to the daughter of Zion, that's Israel, behold, what? Thy Yeshua. There it is. There's the name of Jesus in the Old Testament. Cometh, and behold, his reward is with him. So you see, salvation is a person, and he's coming, and he's coming with his rewards. I wonder how many he'll accept. I wonder how many will be given to accept. But notice here in the scriptures, it says in his work before him, it's in reference to a person. And you see, Paul was uh, a servant of Jesus, who is his salvation. And then the word Christ. Christ is the word anointed. It's the word Mashiach in Hebrew. It's like it says in Psalms chapter 1, or chapter 2. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth take counsel together against the Lord. That's the holy name of God. Yahweh, Yahweh is the, the, the word for God there and against the Lord and his anointed. That's Mashiach. It says men will reject God and God's anointed Mashiach. Now Paul is committed to this one because he knows that his salvation is through this person that was promised in the Old Testament from the various scriptures that we read and many more. And so, therefore, he is a servant of Jesus Christ. And then notice he's called. You know, uh, many times people have said to me, boy, you got a nice profession, Ken. And I stop them dead in their tracks. I remind them it's not a profession. I'm not in a profession. If it is, it's a poor paying one, I'll tell you that. But we're not in it for money. We're not in it. We're, we're in it because we love him. We want to serve him. We want to commit our lives like Paul. We're going to follow in his train, don't we? And we have to be committed to him. And so, therefore, it's called. And you notice the divine calling. On Paul's life, he's a chosen vessel unto me. Think of David's life, how he was committed to the Lord. He was a chosen vessel unto He was called. It's a divine calling. That's what it's all about. And out of my local church, God spoke to me one night because someone talked about Jewish people need to, be, need to know the Lord. And God spoke to my heart. That's another time he really pricked my conscience and made me realize it. And it's a calling. It's a divine calling of God. And Paul is bringing this out, that this is not something that he wished to do and he liked to do. It was more than that. It was a total commitment of his life because God spoke to his heart. And I hope this morning that God will speak to your heart. 
Because you see, what God gave me about this message, about commitment, is we need more workers. Uh, you know, I'm, my wife and I are getting up in age. And guess what? If the Lord tarries, we're going to fade from, the, from this earth. There's no doubt about it. And we know that. But we need others to go in our place. And there are not many of them that want to reach out to the Jewish people. There are very few. That's the reason why I say to the Lord, uh, keep me going for another 100 years so that I can keep serving you. I know it won't happen, but I'm going to try. You see? And we love these people. It's, it's not just uh, uh, dealing with the body. I'm going to show you people that we've been dealing with tonight of our ministry. But it's a soulish way. You know, one man said to me, he said, you know, I sense you'd go to hell for me. I said, no, I won't. But see, I was communicating in a soulish way. He knew that I was interested in him at any cost to try to reach him for Christ. Rabbi said to me one day, you know, we've been together for, for eight years now, and I've not accepted that Messiah, and I will never accept it. And he said, I suppose uh, now that you'll be in to give up. And I said, no, I won't give up. Oh, yeah, I'll give up. You're right, Rabbi. I'll give up. Oh, he said, when is it? And his wife was in the kitchen, and her ear was in the living room. And boy, she got her body right in there, connected the two together. And she said, yeah, when is it you're going to give up? I said, when you take your last breath. <laughs> that's when I'll give up. Oh, that's interesting. See, this is the thing. A servant called to be. And the word apostle is the word apostolos. And, of course, we think of the word sent. You know, when you read John's gospel, which you've been teaching uh, to the people, you'll find the word sent is used in practically every chapter. In fact, we produced a pin on the word sent. And uh, you'll find that we're sent by God. We're sent to give out the word of God. We're sent to, to be his living epistle, known and read of all men. And men are sent, called to be an apostle. We're uh, one that is set apart for God. And then the word separated, and I think of that illustration again, that monk was separated to what? The darkness. We're separated to give the light out. And we're separated unto the gospel of God. Now when it talks about the gospel of God, notice in verse 2, it says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You know what? The message goes back of the promise of God of the Old Testament. There's over 300 promises about the Messiah in, in the Old Testament and how he fulfilled these promises. How wonderful that it's promised in the Holy Scriptures. And what I try to bring out there is uh, that uh, this man that was so separated that he was given over to the gospel. It's not good advice, by the way. It's good news. It's transforming news. That's the word that pricks our heart, can change our lives. Just like my buddy said, he was on a religious kick, and after a few years, he said, he's gonzo. Yes, because Christ works in our hearts and our lives. Separate which he promised. Now notice the content of the message of the gospel concerning his son. That's what it's all about. We lift up the son of God. See, he's a servant, and he's committed to a person called the Son of God. And how wonderful it is to realize he's the begotten Son of God. And if he's begotten, he's like God because he is God. And he said, I'm committed to this old, old story message that the prophets wrote about 
in the Old Testament and in person of Christ, he fulfills it. That's what he's saying here in this chapter. And he's committed concerning his son, which was made of the seed of David. Now he goes into how his coming into the world in his genealogy. And he comes through a certain line, the kingly line. And it's brought out here, the gospel is about the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's about the son, the begotten son of God. It's the one that was lifted up for you and for me to give us salvation. I'm committed to it, the son. And there's none other. And he goes on to say here concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there's much we could say about that, about the lordship of the Lord leading and guiding your life. Giving yourself totally over to him in every way. And he brings this out so beautifully here. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Made of the seed of David, the kingly line, the right line for Messiah to come according to the flesh. You know, you just have to marvel that God would condescend and become one of us. That he tabernacle. And you know what? it's, It's not a God that just knows everything, and he does. But he experimentally knows. He became one of us. He understands your tears. He understands death in a very intimate way because he tabernacled amongst us. He understands all of our trials and our tribulations. He was one of us. And guess what? In the book of Hebrews it says he didn't take on him the form of an angel. No, not at all. He took upon himself the form of humanity. He loves us. At any cost, he goes to procure our salvation. We've offended God. We were sinners. And we've become saints because of the Son. It all centers. The gospel message is in the Son of God. We need to preach this very fact about the Son of God that is coming to the world for you and for me. Oh, this is such a wonderful word from the Apostle Paul, and he's bringing this out about his commitment to Christ. And it says, to be, and he declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness or, uh, through the resurrection from the dead. And we know from Paul's word in Corinthians about the resurrection, and that's our glorious hope. And we base it all on because of his death and his resurrection, we can be guaranteed of ours. And he declared to be the Son of God. So this message is just not someone um, brought it up and said this is a good thing to proclaim to people. But this message is something that was written beforehand. It was in the mind of God, and it was brought out from the scriptures uh, of the Old Testament. And also uh, because of uh, how he showed himself that he was not only humanity, but he was God. He had power to lay down his life, the Bible says. He had power to take it again. And this commandment have I received of the Father. It's centered around the Son of God. And in Psalms chapter 2, if you'll go over to that, I want you to notice what he has to say here. This is a beautiful portion of Scripture about the Son and uh, what it's all about. And I want you to notice in verse 12, Well, I'll start with verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. Oh, in Isaac Lee's or Jewish translation, it was do homage to the son. A kiss, you know, is when you'd go before like a king or a queen that you'd bow down and kiss the ring. You know what I mean? They do this with the papa, but he's not a king at all. But anyway, they do this. And it says kiss the son. It means homage. 
And notice, lest he be angry. So you see the rejection of God the Son. There is something that also, there's not only the love of God, there's the anger of God that you rejected one that would come into the world. You rejected the one that God sent into the world. But kiss the Son, lest he be angry. And notice, ye perish from the way. So what you do with the Son of God determines your eternal destiny. He that has the Son has life, and he that has not the Son doesn't have life. So therefore, we're to kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and he perish. But notice what it says. Blessed, happy, prosperous are all they that put their trust in him. Him is an antecedent, and it just ricochets back. It goes back to verse 7. I'll declare the decree, for the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And this one that they're to do homage to is the son. Verse 6, yet I've set my king upon the holy hill of Zion. It's back to the king. He's the king. He's the son. And then in verse uh, 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 1, where it talks, uh, 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 verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, that's Jehovah God, and against his Mashiach. Rejection of God and God's son that I talked about just a few minutes ago. And it says we're to do homage. And so therefore, uh, it's far deeper of our commitment. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul when God changed his life. He was renamed. He became a saint, from a sinner to a saint. And the message was all centered around the son. This son who has come into the world has the proper lineage and he has the proper right to take back the throne of David. And it's written in the Old Testament. This is what he's committed to. And, you know, a lot of us read the New Testament, but you ought to be involved in searching the Old Testament as well because you'll find it's like hand and glove, it's like body and shadow that come together. And we need to be committed to this very thing of the Word of God. And so, therefore, he's given the message of his coming into the world, tabernacling with us, and had the right lineage to become the Savior, the Messiah, and the King that will rule the universe. He has all that right. And his resurrection guarantees ours. And how wonderful. We can look at that and say, guaranteed of ours as well. When I had to bury my brother-in-law not too long ago, and uh, when we were at the grave, I said, you know what, we're just closing a chapter because his faith was in Christ and he's opened up a new chapter in heaven and it's just going to continue on for him throughout all eternity. And how wonderful it is that this body is sown in corruption but it's going to be raised again. How wonderful it is. And then think of those believers at the time of the coming of the Lord. Guess what? We'll be changed from mortal, from mortal to immortality. Isn't that wonderful? That's the problem. That's the gospel. It's centered around the Son. That's the only one you, a sinner can become a saint. The only way. And it's written in the Word of God. Let's go on. Our time is just about all up. But I want you to notice something about, he says in, in verse 6, among whom ye also are called of Jesus Christ. So he's saying it's not only it of me, but of you as well, that this thing is. Then he says, first I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wow. That's the commitment of their lives shared it all over the world. I can see how that can be done. You know, I was a radio broadcaster for many, many years. We are on 200 stations, and my voice reached around the world, literally, into South America, into Europe, and into Europe, and, and then also in the Middle East. 
What an opportunity God gave to me that my voice could reach out. Got letters from people from all over the world, in Africa, and all of that. How God can use us. That your faith shares throughout all the world. That's exactly. And when I think of that, that's soul winning, isn't it? We're to be soul winners. He that winneth souls is what? Unwise? Wise. That's what the Bible says. Are you committed to it? Listen, a lot of us are only tokenly committed. We need to be totally committed. It'll make a difference in your life. You know, a lot of people have a lot of regrets in their life. I, I can really say I, I have few regrets. I got saved when I was very young and committed my life to the Lord. And I'll tell you, it's been a joy and a privilege to be able to serve him. And I never realized when I committed my life that my voice would reach around the world. I'd go around the world. I've been in Israel for almost 50 years of going. And you know what? Some of our family said, my father traveled around the world, but he had to pay his own way. But when Ken traveled around the world, God paid it all. Through missions, people giving, seeing what we're doing and invested in our life. That's what you people have been doing for many years now, investing in our lives. And I want you to know we're thankful for it for your prayers and your gifts, and we ask you to continue to work and pray for us, that God will use us for his honor and his glory. It's so wonderful to be in this longevity of service for the Lord. I never realized when I committed my life that this would be so in my life. And then you'll find in this chapter that he uh, is a very prayerful man. In verse 11, notice what he says, For I long to see you. You know, this isn't just saying, boy, it's nice to see you. You know, people say, nice to see you. Eh. But when they put their arms around and say, oh, I've missed you. I love you. And oh, I thank God. for I've been praying for you. Boy, that's a real sincere person, isn't it? And I'll tell you, it does something to my heart. You know, as you get older, you know, you get, I even have, uh, uh, we have people, Jewish people come in uh, to our uh, services like this. And when they get done, in fact, even after I get done preaching, I walk out. Some Jews have gotten up and come up and hug me and kiss me. Uh, you know, I can get away with it now. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's so wonderful because communication, what you give, they're trying to say, oh, I love you for this. And that's exactly what it's all about, isn't it, that we're committed. And he says, for I long to see that I may, that I may impart unto you spiritual gifts to the end that ye may be established. And the last verse that I want, I want to read verse 14. I'm debtor, both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwell. So you see, he, he covers all bases of all kinds of types of people, doesn't he? And he says, I'm debtor. i got to reach them. I'm a debtor. Do you feel that way about missions? We've got to reach them. We've got to give. You know, there's some needs that you have right now for these ones. Are we willing to give? Because we've got to reach people in Thailand. We've got to reach them around the world in Israel and all of that. And he goes on to say in here, so as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to you that are wrong. It's everywhere sharing the faith. That's what it's all about. Commitment, not totally, but totally to the Lord. Now, this is the last thing I want to say. We started out showing you that first of all, Paul talks about his servitude. That's the first S, isn't it? His message was concerning the gospel of God. Concerning who? The Son. The Son of God. And then 
you'll find that that message transformed their lives and the people became saints for God, set apart for God. And they went out and won others to Christ that were soul winning. That's a chain. I wonder, are you really linked into this? Are you forging it? Are you moving ahead, adding more to the body daily such as should be saved? Not tokenly, but totally committed to him. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of opening the word. We pray that it may burn within our very being, causing motivation, commitment of surrender, all to you. And we pray, Lord, as we do this, that you will be pleased to use us to produce fruit in our lives. And as we exalt this wonderful son that you gave, your only begotten son, may we worship you and praise you and adore you and we ask you, Lord, that our life will be faith in action by our labors for you. We thank you, dear Lord, for the privilege of opening the word. Perchance there's someone here that has never really allowed this son to come into their lives. We pray that today they may realize a sinful person accepting the son can become a saint for God. We thank you now in his name. Amen.